Hey, good morning, New Life Church and others who are joining us today online. I'm Jeremy Smith, lead pastor here at New Life Church in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm so glad you guys are tuning in to experience and interact and worship with us today. New Life Church, it's a tough time for everyone, and I want you to know we have been praying for you, and we really do miss you. We miss being together in worship. Be sure to like and share this service today when this is over so our friends and our family and others can hear and know what's happening. At the end of service, you'll have an opportunity to give uh, by just kick, clicking the give button there at the bottom of the page. I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you for continuing to be faithful. May you continue to honor and obey and trust the Lord in this tough time because God is faithful to deliver on his promise back to his people. And also parents of New Life Kids, if you'll just visit, click that button that says visit the New Life Kids page, you'll find online lessons, videos for your children today. Today is Palm Sunday. It's a big deal for us as Christians. And I want to turn your attention to a verse in Matthew 21. It says, as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, it said a great multitude, they cut down palm branches. That's where we get Palm Sunday from the trees and they spread them on the road and then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest this morning as we begin our service would you just bow your heads with me right where you are and I want to pray as we enter into the presence of God together let's pray Oh, Lord, we recognize you and we acknowledge your presence. Lord, we are so thankful for you, so glad that time and distance doesn't keep you from being with us and drawing near to your people. And you tell us that as we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so on this Palm Sunday, we are drawing near to you, Lord. And I know this way of worship and interaction as a church is unique and it's different and it's not what we're used to, and it's not the way it's supposed to be, but we're here together, and we thank you that you're with us, that whatever it is our hearts need, whatever it is our ears need to hear today, you will get it to us, and at the same time, you will help us to continue to be strong, to be faithful, to persevere and endure, and we look to you and cry out to you, O God, in this hour, come, heal our land heal this world. Bring salvation. May the name of Jesus be exalted. You say when you are lifted up, you will draw people to yourself. So may that be happening in our homes today and through our church. Be lifted and draw people to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together, church.
washing over all our sin. The people sing, the people sing. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna.
Lord, may we truly have that type of faith, that type of confidence. It is well with our soul in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of things not going the way we normally have it go. Inside, inner peace, you promise to give. You tell us to pray about everything, to talk to you about everything, and to not worry. And in exchange, you give us peace, that your peace would rule and reign in our hearts and our minds. So I pray that for everyone today, that your peace, Lord, would reign. It would rule in our hearts and our minds. Lord, we're not okay with the way things are. But at the same time, internally in our souls, we're, we're going to have peace. And we thank you that you will see us through, bring us through, and bring about your purpose in and through all of these things. As we approach your word now, open our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear and to see and to feel and to welcome your word into our life. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Church, say amen. I need, you to, I need to hear you say amen right from where you are. I, can hear, I heard that. Praise God. I heard that. We got to still be interactive. We're an interactive church and I need that. I can feel that, so praise God for that. Listen, as we end our service today here in a little bit, Pastor Lindsay will be back up to bring some reminders and help us to stay connected to the church, ways we can continue to give our tithe and our offering because the church continues to carry on its ministry, as well as a reminder about if you have children and New Life kids, how you can access those lessons and those videos and those handouts. Wow, well listen, let me invite you to take a moment to open up your Bibles or your smartphones to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And as you, as you turn there, I want to uh, try to once again bring a little humor to this season. Uh, this was a post one of our members posted on Facebook. I saw it and snatched, snatched it and thought I could use it today. It says, one Sunday morning at a small southern church, the new pastor called on one of his older deacons to lead in the opening prayer. It said, the deacon stood up, bowed his head, and he said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. Well, the pastor opened one of his eyes and wondered, where was this going? Well, the deacon continued, said, Lord, I hate lard. And now the pastor was totally perplexed, and the deacon continued to pray, and he said, Lord, I ain't too crazy about plain flour, but after you mix them all together and bake them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. And he prayed on. He said, Lord, help us to realize when life gets hard, when things come up that we don't like, whenever we don't understand what you're doing, that we need to wait and see what you're making. And after you get through mixing and baking, it'll probably be something even better than biscuits. Amen. Amen. I thought that was a, a timely story and a timely prayer. If we would just wait and see what God's doing at the same time, trust Him 
it will be better. Listen, you should be around Matthew 21, but as we uh, pick up where we left off last week, we started a new sermon series last week called Great Expectations. Uh, It's really our Easter uh, sermon series, as Easter is a week away next Sunday. Um, Some of the foundation scriptures that this is based on is 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, where he says, Paul says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Last week, we talked about faith, about having great faith when life is really not so great. Today, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to focus in on hope. And I've titled today's message, Anchor of Great Hope. Hebrews 6, verse 19, out of the Passion Translation, says, we have this certain hope like a strong, unbreakable anchor, holding our souls to God himself. Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat, which sits in the heavenly realm beyond the sacred threshold. We have a strong, unbreakable anchor of hope. Hope defined is confident expectation. It's the feeling that that what is wanted can actually be had. Hope is to look forward to something with desire and great confidence. You've heard of hope against hope. It means to continue to hope, although the outlook doesn't warrant it. And friends, we're in a time where the outlook doesn't warrant it, but within in Christ, with our Lord, with our God, we can have the promise of hope in a time where the outlook doesn't warrant it. And that's what I want to encourage you on today is to tie yourself to the anchor of hope. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about hope. And I just want to run through a few scriptures that mention hope. And the first one is Psalms 27, 14. And I'm reading all of these out of the Passion Translation. He says, here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient, but be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Psalm 39, 7. It says, and now, God, I'm left with this one conclusion. My only hope is to hope in you alone. Psalm 42, 5. So then, my soul, why would you be depressed? Why would you sink into despair? Just keep hoping and waiting on God, your Savior. Psalm 91, 2. He, the Lord, he's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me, the only God for me and my great confidence. Romans 5, 5. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because now we can experience the endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Romans 8, 24. Only have 500 more, guys, okay? It says, this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. For why would we need to hope for something that we already have? And lastly, Romans 12, 12. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble. 
We're in a time of trouble, but he says, don't give up, but commune with God at all times. Let this hope burst forth within you. Hope coming into the world. Hope bursting up within people. Hope coming alive within God's people. That's what we need. By now, you should be there in Matthew chapter 21, the triumphant entry as it is affectionately and famously called. This story, the triumphant entry, shows that Jesus loves to ride into lives and change them for good. It's a story that demonstrates that Jesus changes the trajectory of the human life by injecting hope into the human heart. Let's look at this story, Matthew 21. It says, As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem... It says, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. He said, go into the village, and as soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble and he's riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And the two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and they threw their garments over the colt and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him and others cut palm branches and from the trees and they spread them on the road Jesus was in the center. He was in the center of this procession. And the people all around him, they were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest. And then look at this. It says, The entire city of Jerusalem, an entire city, was in uproar as he entered that city. They were asking, who is this? Who is this? And the crowds replied, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You can see from that story the kind of reaction that Jesus gains when he enters into someone's life. You know, the triumphant entry took place five days before the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, the law actually required that, that five days prior to the Passover feast, the sacrificial lambs needed to be taken up. And so all over Jerusalem, lambs were being prepped for sacrifice for five days later. The triumphant entry was God's way of, of revealing to the world that this Jesus is the Passover lamb. God was setting the stage for the world. He was saying, hope has come. Hope has arrived. Hope has entered your life. This story sets up for us today for hope to enter into our life where we are now. You see, before the resurrection, Jesus had to triumphantly ride into town, enter our life to become the anchor of hope for us. You know, the New, the New Testament is, is full of different stories. It's, 
shows a lot. It shows where Jesus would enter into a town, come into a village, and he would inject hope into a person's life or into a city's life. And there's so many to choose from. I, I, I felt drawn to three particular stories that I want to share with you this morning in the time we have remaining. Uh, these different stories, they, they talk about how Jesus turns ashes into beauty, how he turns burdens into breakthroughs, and how he converts the lost into life. And we're going to look at these three different stories. The, the first one is um, it's found in Luke chapter 7. You, you can note it down. I'm not going to read it. You can um, just reference it. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. It's the story where Jesus visits a widow's son, and it's a town called, a village called Nain. And so Jesus walks into this village with his disciples, and as he enters into this village, there's this funeral procession going on, and it just catches the eyes of the Lord. And the, the, the village Nain, the, the, that name means beauty. Uh, Nain, it means beauty. But in the middle of beauty, on this day, there were people's lives who were feeling like they were just a heap of ashes, particularly for this one lady. She was already a widow. She had already lost her husband. And now, after reading the story, Jesus finds out that the person that is being buried is her only son. So not only is she a widow who lost her husband, but now she has lost her only son, the one who can work, the one who can provide, the one who can produce, the one who can take care of her. She has lost a lot. She was destitute. You could say her life was turning into ashes. But looking at this story, you see that when Jesus fully enters a life, that he takes ashes and turns them into beauty. So Jesus walks over to the coffin and he, in the pallbearers stop and he looks inside and he tells the dead young man, he said, young man, listen to me, get up right now. Can you imagine that going on? Jesus walked up to a coffin, a dead, a young dead man is inside and he says to him, young man, listen to me, I'm telling you right now to get up. Well, lo and behold, the dead man sits up in that coffin, freaks everybody out. He starts talking, and Jesus gets him out and gives him back to his mother. And as you can imagine, news begins to spread. But one of the things that the people said, that said there was a large crowd around, it said that, that they said, God has visited this place. God has visited this place. You know, do you feel like maybe you're losing at life right now. I know a lot of people are, feel like that. People are being laid off and losing jobs. Things that they had found security in, they are losing that. Um, people are, so many people are, are becoming sick and so many things are happening that it is happening so fast. Uh, so many things are changing so quickly from day to day and we can feel like we're losing at life. Or maybe you know someone who is. Maybe you might be just all right today, but you may know someone, a loved one, a friend, a co-worker, a neighbor, someone who, whose life is just being wrecked right now and they feel like their life is becoming a heap of ashes. You know, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 61, the Lord had prophesied this through Isaiah, that he said to all who mourn, the Lord will give you a crown of beauty 
for ashes. So in the midst of our mourning, in the midst of our loss, in the midst of feeling like life we are losing at life, the Lord says if we will look to him and we will trust him, if we will let him fully enter our life, that he will bring beauty for our ashes. That we, his, his hope in our life can actually turn our ashes into beauty. Friend, I want to encourage you in that today. Don't, don't, don't think, don't, don't believe that this is the way life is always going to be right now. It's, it is temporary. It is temporary. I don't have the answer as when this whole thing will end and everything will shift back to probably the way we were kind of going about life. But may we go about life with hope. We must have hope now if we're going to live with hope on the other side. Hope, the anchor of hope. Let him ride into your life. Let him enter your heart. Let him enter your situation and let him speak to it. And may you receive it and watch him turn ashes into beauty. There's another story in the New Testament. It's, it's one of, probably one of my most, uh, my favorite ones. I often look to this. I often reference this story in a lot of things in, in my mind with situations and uh, it's in John chapter 4, if you want to note that for reference. And um, Jesus was traveling, and as he was going, he was, he was going back to Galilee. And it said that he, he, stopped, he had to go through Samaria. And you need to remember that, that he had to go through Samaria. And as he was going through Samaria, he stopped at a little village called Sychar. And he, he, want, he needed to rest, so he stopped and sat down by a well. And uh, was just resting. It was about noontime on that particular day. And there was this woman from the village, um, a Samaritan woman, and she was carrying an empty water pot. And what she was doing was coming to the well to refill her water pot. And it was noon. And the typical time frame for that meant that at noon, around noon, there wouldn't be a whole lot of people out. And there wasn't a whole lot of people out. In fact, the only ones that the Bible gives us reference for who was at the well at noon was Jesus and this woman. And they, they struck up a conversation. And what we find out through the midst of this conversation, um, that this, this woman had, had been married five times, and she was currently living with someone. And, and the village people talked about her a lot. And so perhaps maybe she thought, if I go at noon, there won't really be a lot of people out at the well and I can kind of avoid everybody and avoid ridicule and avoid all of these things. Well, here's the thing. This, this woman was burdened with a lot. She was burdened with worry. She was worried about what people thought. She was worried about what God thought of her. She was worried about herself, and she didn't even know what to really think of herself. Here she was in life, burdened, just burdened, 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 and worried. Well, they have this conversation, and it's a very compassionate conversation, a very compelling conversation, and a very convicting conversation. And through this conversation, what happens is that Jesus reveals to this woman who he really is. And he reveals to her that he's the Messiah, that he is the hope for the world. He is the hope for the world. And, and what happens is this woman, after hearing that and hearing hearing who he is and hearing how he talks to her and hearing what he has to say to her, her whole life gets flipped. Her whole life gets turned around. It said she 
left her water pot by the well. And she ran back to the village to tell everybody about this Jesus, about this newfound hope in her life. See, she came carrying a burden. She came with a need. She came with a worry. She came with a concern. She came with heaviness. But she left with a breakthrough. I don't know, maybe, maybe today you have burdens. We, I have burdens. I have things that I'm worried about. I have things that are on my mind. What burdens do you have in your life today? What worries you? What's heavy in your life? Maybe through some life choices or maybe just because of the pandemic that's going on right now. What is keeping you up? What is weighing you down? What worries are you carrying around? I want to encourage you today that if you'll let Jesus fully enter your life, fully enter your your world, that his hope will lift your burdens and he can turn them into a breakthrough. We need a breakthrough, church. We need a breakthrough from where we're at right now. And the only one who can do anything about it is God himself. We have have wonderful people working around the clock in this world and in this country. But really, Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the answer. He is the anchor of our hope. And we need to turn to him. We need to look to him. And we need to welcome him into our life fully. We don't need to put up restrictions. We don't need to put up reserves. We don't need to put up roadblocks. We don't need to keep him at a distance. Now is the time to let Jesus fully enter into your life, enter fully into your home, enter fully into your world, and let his hope flip it all around and take your burden and turn it into a breakthrough. We need that, church. We need his breakthrough. But it comes with him coming fully into our life. There's another story, um, one that uh, they've made children's church songs about, uh, about Zacchaeus. Jesus visits Zacchaeus. You can note that down. It's in Luke chapter 19 for reference. And the thing with, with this story, again, it, Jesus entering into a town, he enters into Jericho. He goes into Jericho, and as he's going in, there's this man there by the name of Zacchaeus. Um, Zacchaeus, his name actually means pure, is what his name means. He was birthed with the name Zacchaeus, meaning pure. But somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus had, had lost, his, lost his way. Uh, doesn't go into that. It just We find out who he is at this time. At this time, he is the chief tax collector, and he oversees all of that. And he became very, very rich from overtaxing people, cheating people, uh, manipulating things. And it said that he was a short man too. And I don't know, maybe he felt like he needed to make other people feel small so that he can make himself appear big. But he had a lot of power, had a lot of prestige, and he used it. He leveraged it for his own selfish gain. But this particular day, he, he had heard Jesus was coming in, and he wanted to see him. So he couldn't see over the crowd because he was short. Uh, so what he did was he climbed up a sycamore tree, and he saw where the route that Jesus was on was going to take him. It was going to lead him by this 
particular tree that he climbed up and he was waiting. And as he was waiting in the tree, Jesus does. He indeed walk, he walks by. He comes by him. And he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus and he says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree because I must be a guest in your home today. I need to go to your house. Well, Zacchaeus climbs down from the tree and they go to his house and the people around are kind of like gasping and like, how dare Jesus go into a house of a sinner like Zacchaeus, but find out why. So they go and, and they, they have, Jesus has a very compassionate visit with Zacchaeus. And that compassionate visit with Zacchaeus that day actually turns Zacchaeus' life around. He converts him. Zacchaeus becomes a follower of Christ that day. He repents of his life and he tells the Lord, he says, look, I, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to cheat people. I'll give back to people way more than what I took. I'm going to make things right. And the Lord looks at him and he, and he stamps this visit with his words. And he says, he says that um, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Zacchaeus' life that day went from being lost to being found. He went from having a, from no life to having real life. And that's what we see Jesus do. Perhaps maybe today you feel lost. Maybe you feel like you've lost your way. Maybe you have felt like you have gotten off the path that you know you should walk on. Maybe you have kind of forsaken some of your morals, some of your convictions, some of your values that the Lord has laid out in your life. Or maybe you have never really discovered who you are and you're only going to find who you really are when Christ fully enters your life. But Zacchaeus had lost his way. He had forgotten who he was. He was born a person named Pure, but he had actually become kind of evil because he cheated people and manipulated people. And he became, and, he, and he, he received his wealth by dishonest gain. And he had lost his way. But on this particular day, he thought he was looking for Jesus, but really Jesus was looking for him. Today, maybe you're looking for him, but the Lord really is looking for you first. He sees you and he knows you. And he's calling, calling out to you and say, hey, I want to come into your life. I want to come into your world. Because I am after you, not because I think you're doing something wrong, but because I want to give you everything that is right. And I want to make all right in your world. I want to make all right in your heart. And I want to give you life. I want to give you life. So when we let Jesus fully enter our life and enter our heart, you can feel his hope turn your life around. You know, in this crazy time, you don't have to be lost. You don't have to feel lost in this crazy world that we're living in right now because Jesus provides the answer. He is the answer. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And friend, I want to encourage you today. Listen to this closing scripture. It's found in Romans 15, verse 13. It says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance 
until you radiate with hope. God wants people to have hope. He wants hope to burst forth within you. He wants hope to radiate on the inside of you. And in a time like this that we're living in, it can be, we can very easy fall prey to not having hope, to living kind of hopeless because of the way we're having to go about and approach things in this world. But the Lord says he is the fountain of hope. He's the inspiration of hope. And it can be, it can be in your life. Un, it can be uncontainable joy and perfect peace. But it's dependent upon as you trust him, as we trust in him. He's the anchor of our hope. God wants you to have hope. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace. But it only happens when you trust in him, the anchor of hope. Will you bow your heads with me right where you're at? And I want, I want you to pray with me this prayer. It's called a believer's prayer. I'm just going to ask you to pray with me and pray it out loud and repeat it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. You are my Savior. I can't save myself. I need you. Forgive me of all my sins and my shortcomings. I repent of my ways and turn to you today. Help me to move forward in a relationship with you and to fulfill the purpose that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Friend, a prayer like that, prayed with sincerity, prayed with honesty, bridges the gap, it closes the gap, and it brings Jesus right back into our life. Not saying that you didn't know him or you didn't believe him. Maybe you did. But regardless, if you will pray that prayer and believe that in your life and let Jesus fully enter into your world right now, he specializes in turning ashes into beauty, the heavy burdens to breakthroughs, and converting our lost, our lost ways to a found life because he is the anchor of hope for us and this entire world.